Good job, y'all. Great, uh, great song selection for this morning. I hope that uh, any one of those songs, if not all three of those, worship songs or hymns or whichever way you want to view those, I hope they ring in your ears and in your heart throughout the day, keep you close to the Lord. Uh, if you want to Mark your, your Bible in Ephesians chapter 4. That's going to be the primary portion for this morning. However, just fair warning, I'm going to bounce around a little bit as we go along. So I would uh, advise you to get out a pen or a pencil and a piece of paper and you can make notes of the scripture that I go to and you can kind of go back and study them. The whole day, but before I get started, I'll just kind of remind some people, and maybe uh, maybe somebody might know this for the first time. Is sermons aren't just to be heard and forgotten, you know. <laughs> the, you, you can take you take notes, and you can spend the rest of the day or the rest of the week, and just kind of do your own study and see what the Lord reveals. Uh, it's kind of like a starting point for your week, you know. You kind of just say, okay, well, here's the thought, and here's what was talked about. What else can I learn? What else has the Lord, uh, what, what does he have for me to know? And then we, that's how we make disciples because we begin to grow that way and we share it with one another. While you're looking at Ephesians chapter 4, uh, I want to go and talk about, I'm not going to really read, I'm going to talk about Matthew chapter 25. I think most people who are in the habit of studying the Bible uh, remember when Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God and what it's like. He used a parable about these, uh, uh, this uh, person, this master, who had servants, and he gave them some, some uh, funds, some money, to be stewards of. The parable of the talents is the way we know it, uh, Matthew chapter 25. What I want to point out is two different times in telling that parable with two, two different servants, the master was pleased with the servants because they had taken what he had given them and they had made something of it and did well with it and were responsible with what the master entrusted them with. It still belonged to the master, right? What he entrusted to them still belonged to him. He just allowed them to oversee it and handle it and manage it, and they did well. And in doing so, Jesus says that the master's response to them was, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? We've heard that before. I know we've heard that before. So it's, that's what we all look forward to hearing when we uh, one day stand before our Holy Father, our God, the Creator, who has our eternity in His own hands. Right? And I don't know about you, but that's what I desire for me. I want to hear those words or something to that effect. I want God to be pleased with me. I also want God to be pleased with you. I want you to hear those same words. When your day comes to be gone from this world and into eternity for eternity. Now we'll go to 1 Peter chapter 2 because I want to uh, draw some, a little bit of a comparison before we get too far into the message for this morning. First Peter chapter uh, 2 in verses 4 through 5 say this here. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, 
He's talking about Jesus. Verse 5 says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, <clears throat> so he's saying, like Christ, like Jesus, you are to be a living stone. Uh, you are to be a monument. You are to be a marker for the kingdom of God. When people see, when other people see the Christian, if the Christian is genuinely being like Christ, people should see the kingdom of God. A spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. This is, this is a good place to point to in Scripture if, if needed in your discussions with your friends and neighbors about the, the need for going to church and worshiping at church. However, the Christian life is all about living a life of worship. Right? And I think if one thing, if we have, there's many things we can learn during the pandemic, but it's one thing we can learn is we don't need the building to worship. Hello? Right? We don't need this building or any other building to worship. All we need is Christ and his spirit living in us and our obedience and submission to that. Go down to verse 9 of chapter 2 in 1 Peter. It, he says, but you are cho a chosen people, still talking about the same thing, all right? Uh, still talking about how we are like Christ and we are a chosen people. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. That verse 9 right there is basically reminding us to don't, do not forget what we were saved from and what we're called to. Then in verse 10 he says, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Talking to the believers, those who are submitted to Christ's lordship in their life, accepting the gift of grace through the blood of Christ, that's who he's talking to. He says, once you had not received mercy, when you were dead in your sins and reluctant to repent, you did not receive mercy. But now you have received mercy. That's where everybody says praise God and hallelujah and amen and all of that. Because without that, we're lost. We're totally lost and that nothing matters. We might as well just be pirates and go do what we want, however we want, and forget everybody else. Right? Verse 11 says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. That's the struggle within our hearts and our minds. That's the constant battle. Like Paul was saying in his writings, I can't stop doing what I don't want to do and I keep doing what I, I can't make myself do what I want to do or should do. The do's and do nots things. It battles, it's in us all. As long as we're in this world, it will be there. Verse 12 says, live such good lives, here it is right here to focus, live, su live such good lives among the pagans that uh, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. Now he's preaching, he's preaching, uh, uh, just, uh, he's preaching in this letter to a people uh, years and years ago. But the truth remains the same in our generation, in our time. We need to be able to live lives that even though the world will attack us and accuse us 
and tear us down and persecute us. But when Jesus shows up, they're not going to be able to deny who he is and who we are. That's the kind of life we are to live no matter what. So the question, the question that I present, one question I present to start with is, what will you hear when Jesus returns? Because Jesus is coming back. It's a promise. It's a guarantee because God is faithful. When that happens or when you leave this world, what will you hear from God? Well done, good and faithful servant, or will you hear something else? Something similar to, get away from me because I don't know who you are. Every time I say that in a sermon or in a Bible study or even read it to myself, it's, I, I picture the, the people who are reluctant to receive the truth about Christ and they say, well, God can't be that harsh. And he's a God of love. If you're studying with us on Wednesday night, you'll see, you'll see in the scripture that God is love and he is all about love. So much so that he would send Jesus to die so that you can hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant have an opportunity to serve the kingdom of God, the greatest thing going in existence ever. Here's what I know. I want to make God happy with my life. I want to please the Lord. In, in Old Testament writings, you hear about a, a pleasing aroma when they offer sacrifices. It becomes a pleasing aroma in the nostrils of God. If, if God were built like a human being and we you know when you walk into a room one of our senses is what we smell dictates whether or not we're pleased or not pleased right we've all been there. It's like what's that smell <laughs> something smells in here or we walk into somebody's like some, some of these ladies you go to their house and they're all the time baking or cooking something you just love go to their house because it's like ooh, that smells good you don't even have to eat, and you come out of there gaining three pounds just from smelling what's, what's going on. But I want the Lord, when he smells my life and my worship, to be pleased. I want him to desire more. That's what I desire. That's what I want for y'all. That's what I want for every person who believes what I believe about Christ. Because that's what God wants. Here's the problem. I don't think it's a problem. Maybe I shouldn't say it that way. Here's, here's the fact. It takes effort to please God. You don't just say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, and then do whatever you want to do and expect to please God. When we surrender to Jesus and the gospel message, when we repent and we, and we turn ourselves over to God and his kingdom, we are saying I want to be a part of the kingdom of God, and I want to take my place in that. And our place is to be servants to the Holy King, the Creator God. Even though we're in the family, we're sons and daughters, those of us who believe. And we have everything we need to be successful in serving Him. But it takes effort. It's not easy to love people. Because really, if you want to please God... All you have to do is love people. I wish this microphone was hooked up to every ear in this world right now. Just love. It takes effort. It means you have to try hard. It means you have to do something, put out some energy. 
you have to make a decision sometimes that you don't want to make because it means that you're loving someone. I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a good news that when, when God says to love people and he puts a big period at the end of it, that means no matter what is going on in your life or in the world, no matter what is happening in your heart, you love people. The better news is he gives us everything that we need to accomplish that task. If we would just submit to it, if we would just allow him to live in our lives the way he died to do so. Chapter 4 now of Ephesians. That was the opening of this message, y'all. So, just warning you. Ephesians chapter 4, we're, we're going to read a few verses and then skip to another verse and then skip to another one and another one. Verses 1 through 6. When, when, Jesus, uh, when Jesus was asked, how do, what's the greatest commandment? He said to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. We all hopefully know that uh, if we've studied in our Bible. He also said the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. You can't do one without the other. It's not possible. So it seems that God has made it simple for us to be able to love uh, other people and love him all in one effort. One thing to do. The problem is, is where our hearts are, are darkened by the effects of sin in this world, and we also choose to engage in that sin, which interferes with what the Spirit of God would do in the lives of the believers, which is love people unconditionally like Jesus did and does. I want you to focus on uh, 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 three words as we go through the rest of the Scripture for this morning. Make every effort make every effort here we are in verse 1 of chapter 4 in Ephesians a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received a life worthy of the calling you have received that's when you hear well done good and faithful servant when you're able to accomplish that through the grace of God, by the help of the Holy Spirit, we can do that. The calling to salvation, the calling to represent the kingdom of God is what he's talking about. Verse 2 says, be completely humble. Hello? Be completely humble and gentle. That is tough. That's hard. Because not everything hits you in a way that makes you want to be humble and gentle. I wish that was the end of that statement. But he keeps on. He says, be patient. Some of y'all are like wanting to scroll down on your Facebook right now. Just be patient. I'll be done. Just be patient. It says, bearing with one another what? In love. Not just putting up with one another, but bearing with one another in love. There's some things that people do that aggravate me or frustrate me, but I'm going to put up with it. In fact, I'm going to embrace it sometimes because I want to love people. It doesn't mean you tolerate sin. It doesn't mean you condone sin. It just means that you get past that stuff to find what God loves in people. Because you'll never love people the way God does if you don't see people the way God does. 
And the only way to see people the way God does is to ask the Spirit of God to reveal that truth to you. Because we have our blinders on. We only see people through our sin-stained eyes. That's why he said, humble yourself and be gentle. Anytime we can't get past another person's sin in order to love them, we need to stop and humble ourselves. It's a trigger. Okay, you're not being humble right now. You must think enough of yourself that you're putting judgment on somebody else. It's not our place to do that. And if you don't think it's a big deal that this happens in our lives, and I'm saying everybody, if you don't think this is a big deal, then you're mistaken. Because the things that are going on in the world are a product of not tending to this. We don't tend to this in our lives. It blows up and it becomes in a, a, a spiritual atomic bomb. And we didn't contribute to the sinfulness of the world. Here we are, verse 3, finally. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now he's talking about the church. He's talking about the believers. He's saying, look, y'all need to make, you need to try hard. And do whatever it takes to stay together. No matter what happens in this world. No matter what happens between all of us. No matter what happens, you need to make every effort to stay united as the body of Christ. Because it's the same Holy Spirit living in each one of us believers. So how can we be divided? How could we ever be divided? How could the church, the body of Christ, ever look like the world and when it's totally divided? We have to be the example. We have to shine brightly in the middle of all this division. People need to see, okay, well, the world is falling apart, but the church is staying together. It's the bond of peace. Verse 4 says, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. We can stand around and have all the debates about the problems of the world all we want to. But if we spend more time doing that than focusing on the kingdom of God and what God is doing in the middle of it all, we will fail. And we will be just like the world. And we'll be divided. And we won't love each other. And if it gets bad enough, and it will happen quickly, we will stand before God and He won't know us. And we will not hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We're, we're either Christians or we're not. We're either believers or we're not. We're either like Christ or we're not. We can't be like Christ and be like the world. It's one God. There's only one God and only one kingdom. And if we, if, we, if we forget that he knows everything and is involved in everything going on in this world, we will surely fail. We will surely fail at being stewards of what, get, what God has given us responsibility over. We're all stewards of the master's stuff the lives that he's given us, the, the, the salvation that's been provided through the blood of Christ. We're stewards of the gospel, the message from the kingdom of God. 
And we have a responsibility to handle that message no matter what happens, no matter where the world goes, no matter how bad it ever gets. We have a responsibility to be standing steadfast and saying Jesus is the Christ and there can be peace. And if we spend more time engaged in what the world is doing and less time engaged in what the kingdom is doing, we fail. We fail. Now skip over to verse 26 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. tough isn't it there's a lot of things to be angry about just in this last week last several months you know I realize how easy it is to be angry I'm a, I'm a person living in the world I'm also an American and proud to be an American And I got a long list of other reasons to be angry about society and what's happening. But if I allow that to become sin, I fail. If you allow the anger that is happening around the world and in our nation and in our towns to become part of who you are and drive what you do and make you offend God, you fail. We all fail. That's not the gospel. There's a reason why the apostles and all of the other believers after them were killed for their faith. Because people in society were angry. And they were angry about the gospel at times. Paul himself was almost killed several times. They beat him up and ran him out of town and dropped him in the street to die. A mob did that. A mob of angry people did that to him because he believed that Jesus is the Christ. So if we're going to engage in what's going on in the world, let it be because we're trying to love people in the middle of all this anger and strife and division. Make every effort to not allow your anger to become sin. Make every effort. That means exhaust every resource. Even if it kills you, literally. Verse 29, skip down there. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Oh my gosh, if everybody on Facebook would just do that. If everybody in this world would just not say anything until it was helpful for somebody else. But it's not never going to happen because the world is contaminated by sin, y'all. And we're all affected by it. You want to talk about a virus? We are all infected by the virus of sin. And we all say things when we shouldn't say things. And we all do things that, that aren't, are not helpful to society or to the people around us. And not building any, either, each other up. 
That's what's happening, and it's what's been happening. It's not any different. It's just inflamed right now in our face. We can't ignore it anymore. I'm not saying you can't talk about issues. I'm not saying you can't have an opinion. I'm saying words are powerful. Words are dangerous. And they can break some people down or they can build people up. And the the body of Christ, the Christian, is tasked with and commanded to lift people up. That's how we love people. But we don't tolerate sin. We don't condone sin. And even in that, we have to watch how we say things. Make every effort to let your words honor God. Your thoughts. Sometimes our actions are the same as words. Go down to verse 31 and 32. Look what it says here. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Any believer who is participating in what's going on in today's world in the last several days is failing. And I mean physically participating in riots, physically participating in slander, physically participating in uh, social media stuff that is accusational or tearing people down or not being helpful. You just have to ask yourself, if I want to do something or react a certain way, how is this going to help? How is this going to bring attention to God? How is this going to lift up people and honor God? No matter what it is. There's a time when we have to stand up for what's right and there's a way to do it that honors God. And the church has to be the example of that in this world. How on earth is anyone ever going to know Jesus is the Christ if we don't allow that to be true in our hearts? Because that's really the ultimate goal is to get people to know Jesus. Make every effort. Make every effort to rid yourself of evil and to be kind. There's times, there are, there are times that I've just wanted to wring people's neck. Just being honest. There's two things stopping me from doing that. One, it's not legal. But two, because I love God more than I love hating somebody. Does that make sense what I just said? I love God more than I want to wring somebody's neck sometimes. And I love that person enough that I wish that just I just wish that they would understand that Jesus loves them as much as he loves me. It's in us all. We have to let Jesus reign in our lives. He has to overcome all of that. Now finally in verse 1 and 2 of chapter 5. Here's what it says. Be imitators of God, therefore, and dearly lo- as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering. Here's the scent again. Fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God. We have to ask ourselves around the world, in our nation, in our state, in our towns, in our neighborhood, in our homes, How would God react to the things that are going on? How would God love people in the middle of all of the chaos and fear and anxiety that's going on around us right now? And once we think we have an answer to that, once we find some kind of a a clue about how he would do that, 
then we go to him and say, give me the strength to do that. Because if you try to go out there and do it on your own, you'll fail. If you try to go out there and love people without God and his spirit in your life, you will fail. And you will ultimately begin to contribute to the, to the ugliness and the wickedness that goes on in the world. Just because you'll be consumed by it. Just like the spirit of God and the blessing and the love of God is contagious, sin is also contagious. Anger and anxiety. You get around a bunch of people that are mad, you'll be mad if you stay there long enough. If you get around a bunch of people that are praising the Lord and loving people the way Jesus would want you to, you'll begin to be like them as well. The church, we have a job to do. We have responsibilities. We have been tasked and given uh, stewardship over the gospel. And there's no greater time in my lifetime that we should be out there intensifying how we do that. However that looks. The world has given us every reason to give give in to the ways of evil. Every reason, every reason the world has given us to just jump in and say, you know what, forget this. I'm just going to be mad at everybody. And it's not sinful to be mad. It isn't. It's not sinful to be angry. But when you allow Satan to convince you to let that be sin and offend God, you fail. It's easy to just give up and go in, go with the flow in today's society. It's easy to just start clicking buttons on your computer, making phone calls, going out into the world, and making a sign that says whatever you have to say and think you're doing something great until you stand before a holy God and he's like, what was that? That's not who I am. takes prayer y'all takes a lot of prayer we should spend more time on our knees than we ever do running around the world trying to love people it's hard first corinthians chapter 15 verse 58 tells us to be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the lord if the church is abounding in the work of the lord we would never participate in what the world does the word abounding the definition means exist in large numbers or amounts abounding in the work of the Lord. It's like, okay, I would say if we're going to put that together with make every effort, right? If we're going to put abounding in the work of the Lord and make every effort, then that means to me, this is, this is, what I, this is where I'm at, that means when my eyelids come open, I need to be about the Lord's business. And when my eyelids close, I need to be about the Lord's business. We need to be, when we're tired and weary and we've been up too long because we're about the Lord's business so diligently and making every effort to please God and love people, we need to be asking God, give me another hour. I need one more hour in the day, Lord. That's the way, that's the way, it, that's the way it should be. And I think, I think in many occasions and many congregations and many believers, hearts of the believers, I think it, maybe it is that way. But I think there's a lot of people who call themselves believers that are nowhere near living like this. And if that's true, it is not a pleasing aroma to God. When it is true, God is pleased and honored and glorified, and people get saved. You, you ever notice, read, read the book of Acts and watch how the church started. There was all kinds of chaos in the world. There was all kinds of problems and threats, but the church thrived. Because they continued to love people. And they stayed true to what the gospel says. 
All right. Verse 18. Uh, let's go to Romans 14. We're going to start closing this thing down. Romans chapter 14. I'm going to try to go a little quickly with these because these are just to back up what we've already said. Romans, here we are, Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 through 19. For the kingdom of God is no, not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So this is where they were talking about, well, can we eat, can we eat this kind of food or that kind of food? And all the legalistic things that were going on to honor God and to serve God. If you love God, you won't eat this because God said it. And God says, I, if I say something's clean, it's clean and you can have it. It's, 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 it's all about righteousness, he's saying. It's but the righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want to get to. He says, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and appropriate, uh, excuse me, and approved by men. I love being an American citizen. I love it. Mostly because I don't know any other way. <laughs> I've, I've always been one. And I, and, and I have great passion about the things that threaten that. But the kingdom of God has to be first. Who I am in Christ has to be first. I have to serve God first because that's what pleases him. And if serving God means to defend whoever I am as an American, then so be it. God help us do that. But at the same time, am I making disciples? Am I helping people know Christ? Am I helping people experience the love of God? Because that's the priority. Here we are again, verse 19, and this is why we're in Romans. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. The goal is always peace. Even when we're trying to get our friends and neighbors to repent from their sins because they don't have peace without forgiveness. They don't have what they need to have eternal peace in their hearts. The good news is sometimes that peace permeates the hearts of believers and the ones around them to where it, it shows itself where people can live at peace with one another in this world. Isn't it great how God can be a multitasker? I don't see a lot of peace right now, y'all. And if we want to contribute to making that better, I say we get on our knees and ask God's help. Have him show us how to love people when everybody's hating everybody. The kingdom of God is of righteousness, peace, joy, and the Spirit. But those who serve Christ... It's, pleasing to God. Make every effort. So here's another question, and then I'll close. How much effort are you willing to put into pleasing God? What's your limit? So I don't, you, don't, you, you and God answer that. You don't need to tell anybody. How much are you willing to put in? How much effort are you willing to put into pleasing God? We're not earning salvation, y'all. We're just saying, if you're going to be committed to Christ and you're going to be a part of the family of God and you're going to be a servant to the Lord, the great, almighty, holy king, creator God of the universe, then you either need to be in or out. How much, are, how much effort are you willing to put in? Because this scripture, all over it, is telling us to make every effort. Every ounce of energy Every ounce of being that we have needs to be poured into the kingdom of God. And that means loving people and loving God.
So, First Peter, we learn that we are a spiritual being, a spiritual group, a spiritual people. We are called a people, a called people. We're chosen by God to do a task, to have responsibility, to take stewardship of the gospel message. That's what we've learned in First Peter. Ephesians, uh, we learned that we're making every effort to not let our anger become sin. We're making every effort to eliminate the bitterness and the rage that comes with it. We're making every effort to be holy, to monitor our words and how we talk to one another and how we deal with the effects of what others do. It's easy to begin to hate people that you don't even know because something on the news or something on social media or something your neighbor said about somebody else. It's easy for anger and sin to creep up and contaminate your heart. And we learn in Romans, make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification, building each other up. That's what Jesus did. I mean, just look at, just evaluate Jesus' relationship with Peter. He had every right in the world to just walk away from Peter and never talk to him again if he was going to be nice. But he didn't. Every time after time after time, he continued to love Peter and continued to build him up until Peter was able to submit to what was going on in the kingdom of God. And Peter did some great work for the kingdom. That's, who, that's, that's what I want to happen in my life and your life. That's what God wants. So, are you wanting to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant? If so, you got to make every effort. We as a church, as the body of Christ, we who call ourselves Christians must make every effort to love people regardless of what's going on. We, we, we have to be, make every effort to be different than the world. Even everything in us says, yeah, let's go do that. Let's go, let's be mad and let's go change the world. Let's go do our part. We have to check with God first. Might not be in his plan. We have to make every effort to exhaust every effort to bring honor and glory to God by how we live. Even if it kills us, literally. Even if it takes our very life. I would rather die trying to please God than die trying to ease my anger or pain and there's a few other things that I might choose to give my life for in this world that I think are valuable enough but only one is worth that risk every moment of my days and that's God and his reaction to the aroma that my life gives him when he, when he smells the worship coming off of me, is it pleasing to him or does it become a stench in his nostrils? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 says, Without holiness no one will see the Lord. You can't be in God's presence. You can't be saved. You can't call yourself a Christian genuinely if you are not being made holy. And that only happens through the blood of Christ. That only happens through re genuine repentance because you believe that Jesus 
was the Son of God, is the Son of God, and continues to be the Son of God. And his sacrifice on the cross was the, the, the moment of reconciliation between God and man. I spent some time reviewing as we do. I'm getting ready to give you an invitation, but I spent some time going over this message last night. And God continued to remind me that all the people in the world that are engaging in hate and violence, Jesus died for them too. All of the politicians that we disagree with, Jesus died for them too. All of the people that don't think the way that we think. Jesus died for them too. So who am I? I'm just a man who believes that Jesus is the Christ. I believe that this Bible is true and I believe that it says that if you repent from offending God and receive Jesus as Lord and his sacrifice, death, burial, and resurrection, his shed blood to be the payment that you owe God for your offenses. If you believe all of that is true, then make the decision to stop living an offensive life that is a stench in the nostrils of God. That's the gospel message. It means humbling yourself and recognizing what's greater than you are, what's bigger than you, and standing in reality. It's hard. Salvation. Because it means we have to say no to self. It means we have to say, even though I like some parts of the way I live, I don't want it anymore because what I see in God and his kingdom is greater and more valuable. So when Peter was asked, what do you do when you get to this point? He says to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's why we do that. That's why we baptize. Saved by faith. Once you put your faith in Christ, it begins to produce fruit in your life. And the whole world sees the things that you do and how you do it is a reflection of how, why you, what you believe. And thank God for his Holy Spirit. Without his Holy Spirit, we would never, ever begin to love people the way he would want us to love people. I don't even believe we would love ourselves the way he loves us without his Holy Spirit. Some of us, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in that same boat. I say to myself, well, you know, not everybody's bad. Not everybody. Some people are good. There's some decent people in the world, and I think we can agree with that in general. But when it comes to Jesus on the cross, we are all pathetic. Beyond pathetic. It's bad, y'all. And when you see things going on around the world that are wicked and hateful, and you see people doing things to other people that are just unthinkable, you have to realize that it is a product of the offenses against the holy God. 
It's sin. It's what Jesus died for so that we could escape that, so that we would not have to be slave to that and succumb to that and just give over to it. There is hope. We don't have to live like that. We don't have to participate in that. In fact, we can go beyond this world for eternity and escape it permanently. But you have to make the choice. We all get to decide every day, every moment. Everything that we do, do I love God or not? The answer lies in the fact as to whether or not you're loving people or not. I love you and the Lord loves you. I know he does. Jesus is the Lord. He is Christ. Every person is a sinner and every person needs salvation. Whether you believe that or not does not ever change that fact. If you want to know more, if you just want to talk about it, just come see me. Call me on the phone. Whatever you got to do to get a hold of some believer and they will lead you and help you. We're going to pray and then we're going to have communion together. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the gospel message. We thank you for Jesus on the cross. Your scripture tells us that this world will get ugly and get bad and continue to do so. Help us, Lord, today to continue to serve you well and be the light in the darkness for the world. Help us to find those who are willing to be saved, looking for salvation, looking for peace. Help us to love them in a way that you would help have us do. Help us to flee from the wickedness of this world and not participate in the wicked things. Help us to turn our anger and anxieties and our fears over to you every day and check with you about how to deal with those and what to do with those. Help us to honor you and bring a pleasing aroma to you. As we share in communion, Lord, I'm asking blessings in Jesus' name.